Somebody asked me what I meant when I said revenue as a result. And you know what happens when people ask me questions. Yup. It gets turned into a podcast episode. Revenue as a result is a small but significant step to the left in our minds regarding how we view our business's impact. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, the founder of Defy the Status Quo, and revenue as a result is a new concept that I've been talking about, but I brought it up on Facebook, you know, asking for recommendations of people to connect with who also, you know, had this view of revenue as a result. And somebody commented and said, well, I don't know what that means because of course revenue is a result. And I was like, ding, 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 episode, episode, here we go. So what does revenue as a result mean? Revenue as a result means that revenue isn't your primary metric for success. Now, hear me when I say this. I said not your primary metric of success. Profit revenue is one of the critical elements of a business. Without revenue, you can't pay for services, you can't pay for goods, you can't pay your people. So please don't hear this as some type of like woo-woo, kumbaya, money doesn't matter type of thing because it absolutely does. Revenue as a result is about viewing your KPIs more as an ecosystem of which revenue is one of those KPIs, but everything is very much interconnected. So with revenue as a result, I would consider you to, like you would assess a variety of metrics, right? To ascertain your success, right? That ecosystem, you would ascertain your success through a variety of metrics, including the number of people that you've helped or the number of organizations that you've helped. And maybe you have like a sub KPI, like with the average number of people within those organizations, you know, is X number or, you know, looking at even the metrics of your clients, because let's say your clients work with other clients. So when I had my content marketing agency, I worked with B2B companies who serviced other people. So I could almost have secondary effects of, you know, how many, uh, customers or clients, my clients were then able to get as a result of my services, right? So it was like a secondary effect. Already kind of led into that. But your your monitored client KPIs, looking at the effects and and people that your clients are then able to help because they worked with you and you were able to help them. Also causes that you're able to support. If a certain amount of your revenue goes towards causes or if your you and your employees or your team members work with particular causes, uh, you know, on the clock, if you will, because there are companies that do that, that donate the time, if you will, to go 
you know, hey, it's still work time, but, you know, we're going to go walk dogs at the uh, local animal shelter or play with cats or, you know, clean up trash on the highway, stuff like that. Like your employees are doing that on the clock. But, you know, you've you've earmarked that time to to work with different causes. So that's another thing to consider. That might be a KPI because it's another type of or not a KPI, but it is a a metric that you may be able to assess like, hey, because we're performing at this level for the business, we're able to do these other things. These are other effects. And what this means, though, is that when it's time to evaluate the performance of the company, you know, not including things like salespeople. Okay. Obviously, like with salespeople, a very important metric is, you know, how many clients did they sign? But I mean, I guess conversely, if we're looking at this another way, how many, you know, bad fit clients did you, did you, were you able to filter out? I think that that's something else maybe that we don't pay enough attention to for salespeople, particularly in the coaching and consulting space. Because if I've outsourced my sales, or I have a team member who handles all of the sales calls, I would also, as a marketing person in general, and I'd hope you know my marketing people, would also be very interested to know who wasn't a good fit. How did they find us, right? And then they got on the call. Who wasn't a good fit? Because your marketing should do two things. Remember, it should qualify and disqualify. It should attract and repel. So there was obviously something that attracted that person and you know moved them enough that they would make a call. But they weren't a good fit for some reason or another. So that's always a good thing to assess as well. And perhaps even to applaud that salesperson like, hey, you caught that. That was really good. See, so that I mean, that's not even a revenue thing. But what you did do was save probably everybody from having a, a less than ideal client experience, less than ideal for the client, but also less than ideal for us as well as the coaches, as the consultants. So, you know, that's actually another, you know, maybe something else to consider for your salespeople. If you outsource your sales or if you have a sales person or a few salespeople on your team for your coaching or consulting business. Revenue as, as a result places client experience first, which opens the doors to a few things, but I mean, quite a few things, but I'm going to address, you know, just like three. <laughs> so innovation is one of those things. So when you're, when you lead with client experience, innovation becomes kind of a top priority. And innovation comes in a lot of ways. I know we think innovation and technology, and that's definitely a, a serious tie, but also just kind of innovative thinking. How, and then I, that ties to my second point of creativity. So I guess, you know, creativity and innovation tie together. If we're looking at innovative thinking, what new ways are there or that we can develop to provide a premium client experience? So from the tech side, I've been exploring a lot more the value of technologies like virtual reality and augmented reality for the coaching and consulting spaces to provide a better client experience. I, I do virtual reality meetings, and it's not to say that a virtual reality meeting completely replaces the in-person, you know, live experience, but virtual reality is a F2F, face-to-face you know, experience where you're sharing an environment and your brain is very good at adopting the virtual reality environment as the temporary real environment. And I think that it is just a few steps behind an in-person meeting, you know, comparing the two. They're both F to F, face to face. But how much better of a client experience could I provide to my clients if our uh, sessions, if our meetings, if our networking events, if our think tank, you know, town halls 
were all conducted in virtual reality? How would it improve the client experience if we just had virtual reality headsets and when you became a client, we sent you one preloaded, ready to go? Sounds pretty good to me. So innovation, creativity, and then revenue as a result also opens the door to deeper relationships, right? Because when you're always thinking like, what can the, when you have in your mind, what can I get out of this person? What dollars, how many dollars can I get out of this person? It can get in the way of developing a deeper relationship that opens additional doors to you that may or may not have dollar signs directly attached to them. But if you develop a deep relationship with someone who's able to connect you with event organizers and then you're able to get paid speaking opportunities or somebody who's connected to the publishing world and so you're able to get your books published, right? Those are the types of things that could change your business. Somebody who you know connects with a lot of business events and maybe you are able to now hold regular paid workshops with these events. So not only does that bring in revenue, but that brings in new people to your brand because you're able to hold regular paid workshops with new and new people every time, right? So that those are all things to consider. Revenue as a result, revenue is an important result. It is just not the only result that we should be tracking. It's like saying your heartbeat matters, but your respirations don't, you know, or vice versa. It's an ecosystem. And and that, I think, is how we should be evaluating our results, our success as a business. It's not any one thing. It's an ecosystem of things. And they help you measure. Those metrics help you measure the health of your business's ecosystem, if you will. So orgs who, and by orgs, I mean organizations, for those of you who are listening who are not in the United States, we seem to be getting, you know, I think somewhere between like 70 and 80% of our listenership is in the United States, but we do have some listeners in India and Greece, which is pretty cool, I think, and a few other countries. I'm sorry, I cannot remember you off the top of my head. I will go look again. But organizations who focus on revenue as a result often refrain from income claim marketing. Now, I came across the phrase income claim marketing on the Duped podcast, and that is an excellent podcast about some of the shady stuff that's going on in the online business world. Uh, A lot of it parallels with some of what I talked about in the cult coaching collection, the the cult coaching uh, series of podcast episodes. So definitely check them out. Highly recommend. And if you haven't listened to the cult coaching episode uh, collection, I'd recommend you check that out as well. But Let me tell you about income claim marketing briefly, and I will give you another source for that. But one of the co-hosts of the Duped podcast has her, they both have their own podcast, but I I pulled this definition from Maggie Patterson's podcast on her website, the No BS Service Business Show. And she says that income claim marketing is a practice where how much money someone has made is used as a way to sell their product or service. Typically, that offer is to teach you to build your business using their methods and make that same amount of income. That's twisty. So you're going to pay me. I'm going to use what you paid me to then market my income to pull in more people to pay me so I can then market higher levels of income so I can teach all of you how to get more clients by marketing the way that I market. Twisty, as I said. (laughs) And it's interesting to note that when you Google the phrase, what is income claim marketing, besides Maggie's result, because it pops up on the first page, I think she's like the second result, um, 
There are some references to multi-level marketing businesses, which you can, you know, hear me talk about a bit in the Coachception episode where I talked about Coachception, also known as MLM coaching. (laughs) So I think that that's probably very interesting. And people who market their income as a way to socially signal how well their businesses are doing, you should probably sit with that and see if you don't find a problem with it. Because marketing your income leads people to believe that that is typical, typical results, but we all know that it's not. Anyway, I could probably do a whole episode on just that. So I'm going to cut myself off now. I'd like you to consider what it means to evaluate your business's metrics, not in isolation or in silos, but as an ecosystem, not where revenue is the most important result of your business, but a measure of the overall health of your business as an ecosystem. For you, what other metrics do you feel signal the health of your business as an ecosystem? I'd recommend you journal around it, jot some down, test them out, see how they've been performing over time. And maybe you'll be able to develop, you know, your top five metrics that indicate the overall health of your business as an ecosystem. I can't tell you what they should be because some people have, you know, a high ticket, you know, business setup. Some people do low ticket. Some people do the value ladder. Got an episode on that. You should definitely check it out. You know, some people do the value ladder. Some people focus more on, you know, they do coaching, but they focus more on, let's say, paid speaking or they do some coaching, but they focus more on selling books. So your metrics will be different. Coaching businesses don't all look the same. Coaching and consulting businesses don't all look the same, despite what the marketing would have you believe. And I actually think we need to embrace that diversity of business models present in our industry. I think it's actually the key to moving forward, but more on that in another episode. Thank you so much for joining me. And again, my DMs are open to you. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode on revenue as a result. And I will talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Defy the Status Quo Biz, and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.